Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Some numbers that did stand out last Saturday. Speaking of numbers, the numbers that belong to Hassan Reddick are quite impressive. We'll get into the details. But first, there will be at least one backup quarterback on the field when the Cardinals play the Rams on Sunday. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 380, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So it is official. John Wolford will be the Rams' starting quarterback this week. Head coach Sean McVay made the announcements. Now, Wolford has never played in an NFL regular season game. He has, though, spent two years with the Rams, last year on the practice squad, this year on the active roster. So he is familiar with the Rams' offense. He is just not very familiar with doing it with the lights on, so to speak. There's no doubt about it. This will be his first official start, getting live action in an NFL game. Now, he's been on the roster, as you mentioned. He did play in some pre season games in 2019 and they made a decision to keep Walford over Blake Bortles because of his mobility. He's very similar to Jared Goff. He can throw on the run. I think he's got good pocket awareness. He's also composure in the pocket. So again, it's not Jared Goff, but it's a guy making his first start. Hopefully Vance Joseph and the Cardinals defense can throw a lot of different looks at him to make him uncomfortable. Now Bortles, who is currently on the Broncos practice squad and spent last season, as you mentioned, with the Rams is expected to rejoin the Rams, but likely as a third quarterback. Bryce Perkins, who's on the practice squad, will be the backup to Wolford this week. Remember, Jared Goff underwent thumb surgery. There is some hope that he will be back for the postseason. Although right now, MJ, the Rams are not in the playoffs. They need to win or they can also back their way in if the Bears lose to the Packers, which certainly the Packers have something to play for. They want that number one seed, so they're going to go all out, and you would certainly like Green Bay's chances, even though that game is in Chicago. And I'm just wondering... If you're the Cardinals and this announcement is made on a Monday night and now all of a sudden you don't have to worry about Jared Goff. We know his numbers against the Cardinals. They're phenomenal. But Jared Goff against the rest of the league over the last couple of years has not been great. He's been up and down. He's been a turnover machine. And I would prefer that Jared Goff would be on the field just because that is the known versus the unknown. But if you're the Cardinals, do you read this as A, the Rams believe they don't need Goff to beat the Cardinals, There was no way golf could play this week anyway, so have the surgery now, or the Rams feel confident in the Packers beating the Bears. I just think that they had to make a decision, and they they hope that he comes back if they can win a playoff game. I just think that's the protocol and where they are when you start connecting the dots. Now, if I'm a head coach or someone in there, I'm hyping this up and I'm going the motivation route. I'm putting this out there that, hey, look, we've got a backup quarterback because the Rams are so confident they've beaten us seven straight times. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They feel that they can go in and just show up and beat us. I would play that to a T all week long as a matter of disrespect because this team needs to be motivated. And yes, win or go home is should be enough motivation. 
based off last week against the 49ers, maybe this team needs a little bit more to motivate themselves. I like what you're saying. I like what you're singing there. I I don't, you know, listen, whatever it takes, you would think because you're playing for something to, you know, obviously get to the postseason. So that should be enough motivation. But I get what you're saying. You could take a look and say the Rams are confident enough that Jared Goff could possibly uh, make a playoff appearance if they win. Um, but uh, um, for the Cardinals, it's more about what they're going to do versus what the Rams are going to do if they win or lose in this game. Now, Wolford becomes the fourth different backup quarterback to start a game against the Cardinals. Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, and C.J. Beathard. If you want to say there should be a fifth and sixth in that category because of Tua and Jalen Hurts, I have no problem with that. Our colleague Kyle Odegaard says no. I base it off of who replaced an injured starting quarterback versus replacing a starting quarterback because of performance. But I certainly look at it as, hey, six different backup quarterbacks the Cardinals have played this season. And yeah, you've won some, you lost some, but it's not a murderer's row of opposing quarterbacks that this team has faced. And the most recent game with C.J. Beathard under center, this Cardinals team looked lost offensively and defensively look I'm I would feel a lot better until I'm proven otherwise Jared Goff under center versus John Walford because I just I see I'm envisioning things that are not good for the Arizona Cardinals because they just tend to feel like well that is who is going to be on the field we're better than them on paper we can just show up because that's been the MO all season long yeah and and I think that was the case with CJ Beathard now you know obviously his teammates were were playing hard for him considering he lost his brother in the offseason and he knows he's only going to get a couple starts depending on what happens in the future yeah it's just uh, listen I just think that Jared Goff has owned the Cardinals since he's been there. Now, again, you look at the way they played over the last couple of weeks. and Even going into the Cardinals game, Craig, he had a bunch of turnovers. And they lose to the Jets and they lose to the Seahawks. Um, but I just think it, there's a reason why he's their starting quarterback and they've invested a lot of money in him. And I don't know if he's part of the future. He did take this team to the Super Bowl. you got to give him credit there. But I, I just think that Jared Goff – And when they play the Cardinals, it seems like he has a lot of confidence in those games, and I think the numbers reflect it. Yeah, eight games against the Cardinals. He's 7-1 and with 11 touchdowns and three interceptions. And week 13, he had 351 yards passing and one touchdown. He did not turn the ball over at all. And, again, I know what it is. It's John Wolford. It just – it worries me. It concerns me. And maybe it's all for naught. Maybe at the end of the day we're talking – Post game on Cardinal Talk or Monday here on Cardinals Cover Tomb, we're talking about a great performance by the Cardinals. They make the playoffs since, for the first time since 2015. I just right now, what is still in my mind that I can't get out of is a performance, a 60-minute effort that was disbelief, that was lackluster, that was flat against the 49ers at State Farm Stadium. Inexcusable, disappointing, came out flat. According to the head coach, they got outplayed and outcoached, and I think it's pretty obvious they didn't win in the trenches. Now go back to last year, you know, no Cam Newton. All week, Cam Newton playing possum. Kyle Allen, what did Kyle Allen do? You know, and, and listen, Tua, you know, he made his first start, and then he made his first road start in Arizona. Look at, a, you know, a guy like Jalen Hurts. I mean, he made his first start at home, and then he made his second start, and he put up numbers against Cardinals. Luckily, they won that game, so they have – 
you know, again, this team plays their opponent. So, so sometimes when you're playing the Seahawks and you would think a division game, Craig, you'd, ha- you'd be up for it where you had an opportunity to sweep the San Francisco 49ers, a team that represented the conference last year. So t- to me, it's just mind-boggling that you're playing for something and you still come out flat and you lose that game. But they have struggled against backup quarterbacks. The one that really sticks out to me is when they um, went to the Greenbrier and played the Steelers and no uh, Roethlisberger. And then they had Mike Vick. And I'm like, okay, I hope Mike Vick stays in the game. And he gets a hamstring injury. And they bring in Landry Jones. And I'll never forget that play to Martavius Bryant over the middle. And he goes all the way to the end zone. So, um Hopefully they, they've learned their lesson, but it, just a week ago it was a prime example of taking a third-string quarterback lightly. Now, you talk about a third-string quarterback. How about a third-string running back? We saw what Jeff Wilson was able to do against the Cardinals last week, and now the Rams also with issues at running back. Their leading runner, Daryl Henderson, suffered a high ankle sprain. He's going to be placed on injured reserve, so he's not going to be available. Rookie Cam Akers might play, although he did not play last week after suffering a high ankle sprain in week 15. It certainly would seem unlikely. McVeigh did open up the door for the possibility. I just don't see it. So you'd without Henderson, you without Akers, that leaves Malcolm Brown as the only experienced back that the Rams have available. We're saying all this, which is all good news on paper, yet what do we say? Game's not played on paper. No, and, and you know the Rams are running more two tight ends this year. You know, you look at their tight ends. Uh, you look at, you know, a guy like Gerald Everett. He, he's able to spread the field. He's, he's really an easy target. And they run a lot of uh, bootlegs and, and, and jet sweeps and uh, bubble plays. So that that's, come to me, an extension of the run game. Now, going into the season, it was going to be run it back by committee. And then, you know, maybe over the last five or six weeks, Cam Akers came along. First, uh, he was a high pick for the Rams. And then you look at Henderson, and what a play by Jamal Adams tackling him before he got to the end zone and looked like he had an ankle injury there. So uh, they've really relied on different guys in different weeks. So it looks like Malcolm Brown will be the starter, but I do think they're going to counter with some of those extended run plays, whether it's a bubble screen or, you know, obviously getting the quarterback outside the pocket where he can run a little bit, not so much to run, but throw on the run because we know Cooper Cup's one of the best slot receivers in football. Robert Woods somehow gets open all the time. Um, so, again, even though it's a young quarterback, I still think that they're going to try to run the football, but play action bootlegs, and that's where the Cardinals have struggled over the last few weeks when uh, trying to attempt that with Jalen Hurts and then C.J. Beathard. Well, back in week 13, the Cardinals did do a decent job against the Rams' rushing attack, but a rushing attack that you didn't need to have go very well because Jared Goff was so effective, 37 of 47 for, as I mentioned, 351 yards. So it's not like they need to be dominant, but you do need somewhat of a run game, as we saw most recently from the Cardinals. They didn't have a ground game against the 49ers, and it certainly affected the passing game. Again, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're talking about this, and a loss of Jared Goff and no Daryl Henderson and potentially no Cam Akers. Maybe the Cardinals just take care of business, do what we thought that they should have done earlier in the season, what they should have done at New England, what they should have done against the 49ers at State Farm Stadium, and then everything is forgotten, and you turn the page literally because it's a brand-new season when you get to the playoffs. Yeah, well, let's counterpoint. You know, Kenyon Drake, um, you know, he's shown flashes, but clearly the offensive lines had some issues with the false starts and, you know, obviously getting some penalties pre 
pre or post snap. Um, Chase Edmonds didn't finish the game. He basically got hurt in the second quarter, and this team is predicated on that running game with Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, and we always think Murray's a luxury. Um, so curious to see what the Cardinals running game looks like. Now, nothing against D.J. Foster and, and Jonathan Ward, but these guys are more special teams players, but they need that one-two punch to open up the passing game. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be 150 rushing yards or 200 rushing yards, but you do need to have an effective running game to where the defense – doesn't need or you want the defense to have seven eight in the box to open up the secondary because the 49ers were able to lay two safeties back and you were stopped because you just had five six guys in the box that can't happen regardless of who you're playing or who might be defending you on any given week well and let's look at it matchup wise i mean you got to think jalen ramsey's covering hop i mean Taylor Rams is a very talented player. Cardinals are moving hop around now, so I wonder if they're going to play man-to-man or zone. And then you just look at, you know, what other wide receiver for the Cardinals steps up? I mean, is, is Larry going to get targeted more? He should. Christian Kirk, he's got to win some one-on-one matchups. These Cardinals receivers got to find separation. And if Kyler Murray is 80% and it's a lower leg injury, they're going to have to make some throws from inside the pocket. So maybe it's Dan Arnold. But I think it's important to get Chase Edmonds back because I think he's been, been a big asset in the passing game. And right now all we know about Edmonds is that he is, quote, day-to-day, according to head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Aren't we all? So that is true. We are. <laughs> but, but we're not. Uh, playing football we'll all be watching and seeing who is on the practice field wednesday and then of course the first injury report later on wednesday as well a tuesday edition of cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals if you enjoy what you hear here daily on cardinals cover two we invite you to subscribe to arizona cardinals podcast so you can listen to all of your favorite shows on the go like cardinals underground the big red rage the cardinals red sea report and of course this show cardinals cover two you can do that by going to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. You can also subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Some Saturday leftovers, if you will. Very little went right for the Cardinals in that 20-12 to loss to the 49ers, but did want to pass along a couple of notes before we officially close the door on week 16, and I'm sure the sooner the better considering what the Cardinals showed everyone during those 60 minutes. But a couple of different things. One, Mike Nugent remained perfect. Two more field goals, including a season-long 43-yarder. He's 7 of 7 on the season and 6 of 6 on PATs. And when you get to this point in the season, December, January, playoff football, you need to have a reliable kicker. And I think what the Cardinals have done here in the short sample size with Mike Nugent is bring him along slowly. They're not asking him to kick 45, 48, 52, 55-yard field goals. He was short on that 55-yarder earlier in the year. It was wiped off the board because of a penalty. But I think they have confidence in him. He is certainly has the resume and the experience as far as being clutch in big game situations. 
No doubt about it. And I think Cardinal fans feel relieved when he goes out there. Now when you start getting 48 and, and plus, and, and they're difficult kicks depending on, you know, weather that, you know, obviously playing in a dome stadium or a trackable roof hasn't affected that. And his kickoffs have been a lot better than I thought. And sometimes they're going to kick it higher and shorter because they're hoping you t- try to bring it out and you don't get to the 25-yard line. But he's been very consistent. And, he, you know, I, again, when, when Zane was going out there, I think people were holding their breath. I don't necessarily feel like they're holding their breath when it comes to Nugent. Now, one miss, we'll go back to that, but I think he's been very efficient, and he's definitely given this team a lift on special teams. And it's when he might miss. Knock on wood, he doesn't miss, but if you're missing in the first quarter of the first half, it doesn't feel nearly as bad if it's the third quarter, fourth quarter, or overtime. So sometimes it's, you know, hey, if you're going to lose a game, hey, always lose earlier in the season as opposed to late. If you're going to stumble or have a mistake, make sure it's earlier in the game then later in the game because what it is, it's recency bias. What have you done for me lately? And right now, Mike Nugent is perfect. Yeah, and, and I think they'll roll with him the rest of the season. You know, Hopefully they get in the postseason. They'll have to make a decision in the offseason. Obviously, they're still intrigued with Zane Gonzalez. Maybe some time off, get him, get him right. Uh, he's also dealing with an injury. So in the perfect scenario, you roll with Nugent for the remainder of the season, including the postseason. Well, we know the Cardinals are going to roll with DeAndre Hopkins. He is here for the foreseeable future. Let's hope that he ends his career wearing a Cardinals uniform. But this notes as far as what he was able to do on Saturday. Got lost in the shuffle for good reason because you don't want to celebrate too much when you have a defeat like that. But eight more catches for Hopkins, although they were just for 48 yards. Catch number seven, however, set a new franchise single-season record for receptions, 110, which surpassed Larry Fitzgerald's mark of 109, which he did twice, first in 2015 and again in 2017. Overall, Hopkins, 111 catches with one game left. His career high, MJ, 115, which he set just two years ago in 2018. And right now, I believe he trails Stefan Diggs. Correct. He is nine behind Diggs as far as catches. Diggs with 120 for 1,459 yards. Yeah, and you know, I thought the Cardinals uh, obviously didn't get not did not give up a first round pick, but you got to give. Uh, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs a lot of credit because that's been a big difference even though they've had you know Cole Beasley and John Brown and they've used a couple different running backs but you know let me tell you a story real quick about story time with MJ I'm gonna lean back put my uh, feet up okay so you know Omar Ruiz who works for the NFL Network he covers basically the NFC West he was out here during training camp he's got in-laws so he's able to find a place to stay during COVID so he told me he had a conversation with Brandon Beam. Brandon Beam is the general manager of the Buffalo Bills. And there was some talk about Diggs in Minnesota that he kind of was able to beat to his own drum. When he goes to Buffalo, he practices every day, and he goes against Tredavious White. And you know why? Because he wants the competition, and they go back and forth. So on game day, they're ready. Uh, unfortunately for the Cardinals, a little bit different situation with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think the Cardinals knew what they were getting. We know he shows up on game day. But according to Bean, they create competition in practice. The number one wide receiver against a guy that was a Pro Bowl player last year and this year in Tredavious White. So their practice habits carry over to the game. I hope that could be the case next year for DeAndre Hopkins. Again, he doesn't miss games, but... 
you know, a lot of conversations going on the sidelines where in Buffalo, they like the competition. And they say their practices are spirited because it's offense versus defense. And you watch them, you know, play against the Patriots. They could have put up 50 on that. They got a, they got a, the same quarterback in the same system for three years. Sean McDermott's done a great job. Um, you got to like what the Buffalo Bills have done. Now, Miami's going to be in that, in that equation. But for the next few years, what they're doing in the talent, and they give up a first-round pick, I, I just hope at some point Hop and Kyler can get on the same page so we're not having these conversations on game day. Those conversations should take place during the week. And I think a full offseason, and I don't even know what kind of an offseason to expect out of 2021 with respect to OTAs, minicamp, all of that, and then obviously if Hopkins can remain healthy for an entire training camp, if all of that can happen in 2021, then I think you will see that Murray-Hopkins relationship take a significant step forward. The bar is already going to be set pretty high as far as individual numbers with Hopkins as far as catches and receiving yards, but I think the one area in which you would like to see more improvement on with Hopkins is getting into the end zone. He only has six receiving touchdowns. Yeah, uh, one word, vaccine. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Let, let the people in front of us that need it and their frontline people, but the vaccine. Now, let's say I also want to point this out. I know that you know the injury report says Hopkins is not out there. He's if he's but he has been dealing dealing with an ankle injury, and I think it's because of early in the season he was getting those bubble screens and he was getting tackled. It hasn't happened as much now, but he was dealing with an injury. So, but there are times on Thursdays that when we go out there, we don't see him. I was told on Thursdays when the media leaves. He comes out and he does certain packages. He may have 15 to 20 different uh, plays that they want to run with him. So there are times he's out there. Um, but again, um, I think both parties knew what they were getting into. I just hope it, it can get better because, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in football. He should be in the end zone 10 or 12 times. And, you know, other, other guys haven't stepped up. Larry doesn't have the opportunities. Kirk's been hit and miss. We know Anthony Isabella has been inactive. Uh, looks like Keyshawn Johnson probably is your fourth receiver. Dan Arnold's got a bigger role. Um, but again, they have enough talent on offense. The only guy they added in the offseason was DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and we've seen uh, the offense move the ball. We've seen more points this year. We've seen this team lead the league in you know, total yards. Um, but it's about wins. It's not about individual awards. And, and it's great at the end of the year in your career, you can go back and say, I led the league in touches and targets and you know anything else. But it's about wins at the end of the day. Right now, Hopkins, by the way, second in catches, third in receiving yards with one game to play. And as you mentioned, Stephon Diggs leading the league in both of those categories. So a great starting point for DeAndre Hopkins. And let's just hope that they take it to the next step next year. He's been everything he's been advertised. Yes. I mean, going in off offseason, it was Mike Thomas, who hasn't played this year, Julio Jones, which we know they're not winning games. But both of those guys move around. And in college, your X receiver makes total sense because of the hash marks. I get it when in college here and give Kingsbury credit. And maybe it was by default because they were running that much defense on Kyler Murray, but they are moving them around. It's other guys got to get separation. And that's where this offense will start to flow. But they keep telling us we're leaving points on the, on the field. And we see it. I mean, you can go back and watch the game. Guys are open. Kyler's going through his progressions, but he's getting pressured, so he's got to get rid of the ball. Um, but there's a lot to build on here. And he's, he's come in here and the uncanny ability to uh, catch the ball, 
at the highest point reminds me of a young Larry Fitzgerald, and they're very similar, uh, different route runners a little bit. Larry obviously never had speed, but he was able to get open, and you got to give Hopkins a lot of credit because he's able to get open when he looks like he's got two or three guys draped on him, and I think it proved that and, and that Hail Mary pass against the Bills. And it's when Murray – excuse me – and it's when Hopkins doesn't come down with the catch that you're going, what happened? Why didn't it happen? Because now we've become so used to it, so accustomed to it because his hands are so good. When he doesn't come down with the ball as he didn't against the 49ers, you're like, oh, you're disappointed. But that was a phenomenal catch that very few, if any, outside of DeAndre Hopkins can do. Yeah, and and the main thing is is that you know this this guy he he doesn't miss games and you know every, I don't think any player is 100 percent right now but you know I'd, I'd like to see him have a big game now at the same time they're going to put their number one corner who they gave up multiple picks for in Jalen Ramsey so it's going to be a tough matchup but I I do think if the Cardinals you know if if they're motivated which they have to be what's at stake. Um, Again, even though they haven't been able to beat the Rams since Sean McVay's there, if you win in Week 17 and you get to the playoffs, you know, you'll say what? It's better to win that game because we can't change what happened over the last seven games. Speaking of motivation, as we continue here on this Tuesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Hassan Reddick. One and a half sacks and one forced fumble against the 49ers, but it's what he has done through the second half of this regular season because Reddick right now, MJ, the only player to rank in the top five in both sacks, forced fumbles, and tackles for loss. I brought this up a week ago. His name remains among those elite players in those respective categories, but his name is the only one that shows up in all three categories. Twelve and a half sacks, six forced fumbles, and 14 tackles for loss. Remarkable, and it's unfortunate that it's happening. You know, in the final year of his contract, the Cardinals didn't pick up his option, and nobody uh, batted an eye at the time. But now he's playing his natural position. The coaches trust him. He's earned it. He's never complained, and you just you just hope that you know he can continue because they need him right now. What he's been able to do is carry this football team, getting to the quarterback along with Marcus Golden and Dennis Gardeck and Gardeck's on the shelf right now. So he's got 12 and a half. That's ninth for the Cardinals in a single season. Hopefully he can get here in a couple more because that means they're getting to the quarterback. But, uh, you know, you root for guys like Hassan Reddick because he's been through a lot. And, um, you know, he's going to be a free agent. We know the cap's going down. So, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Uh, I think he loves being with the Cardinals now. He, he loves his role. We'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. But they're going to need him in this game to get after the quarterback. And the question with Reddick moving forward, even this week against the Rams, is is this who he is or is this just a stretch of a season in which he has played great football? Can you get this yearly? Can you maybe not be this extensive or this great every single week? But is this who Hassan Reddick is in the National Football League? He's found a home as far as position. He's found a home as far as Vance Joseph and this defense. Or is this, as they say, a one-hit wonder? Well, it's a good question because there was a point from week seven, maybe for about three or four weeks, that he didn't have a quarterback hit or a sack. 
um, but he's getting much more playing time. And when you get more playing time, you get more uh, opportunities. And I believe now when teams play the Cardinals, they have to ID where number 43 is. coming out. There's no Chandler Jones. There's no Corey Peters. Obviously, you're going to ID Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson. But when it comes to that front seven, I got to think that's the guy. And one thing he doesn't get credit for is his speed. He's undersized, but he gets to the ball, and he's become a much better tackler in the open field. And the sacks, I know sometimes for you it's not always – you know, wrapping up the quarterback, but are you getting him off his spot? Are you disrupting the opposing team's offense? And then are you getting the ball out? And those force fumbles, six, as I mentioned, second most in the league, but they have all come in the last three games. And I don't know if it's just a stretch here or if he has found something, a move or whatever that is really working for him because you can knock that ball out. Yeah, you don't always recover them, but at least you're giving your teammates a chance or yourself a chance to get the offense back on the field well we watch it in training camp when practices are open for the most part i mean they have certain drills during camp where they they basically ask you to stab at the ball and you get close and stab at the ball and i think chandler jones has manufactured it and uh it's contagious but they do work on this stuff in practice where if you get close to the quarterback put your arm out there um yeah you like to wrap him up and get the sack put your arm out there you're going to force a fumble and hopefully it's going to help your offense get really good field position on the other side and as we We've said a lot here on Cardinals Cover 2. It is an easy guy talking about Reddick to root for because, one, you want him to be successful. Now, selfishly, you hope, one, it continues for one more game and then into the postseason and then, of course, obviously next season. But that will be a conversation to have in the offseason because it will be one of the top questions to be asked with regards to this Arizona Cardinals team, offense, defense, or special teams. What do you do with Hassan Reddick given how well he has played? Well, I think it's going to come down to who do you prefer um, in the future, Marcus Golden or Hassan Reddick? Now, Golden's had some injuries, but he's been healthy the last couple of years. Hassan Reddick, you know, he's had some injuries, you know, the ankle injury, which obviously missed time in camp uh, last year, and they moved him around a little bit. You know, it's a tough decision. I mean, in the perfect world, you bring them both back to pair with Chandler Jones, who's in the final year of his contract. What do they do with uh, Kennard? He's on a two-year deal. He's playing a little bit more now. He's, he's setting the edge like he did early in the season. I guess it's a good dilemma. And again, the salary cap's going down, so you can't afford all of them considering you're gonna, you got Chandler Jones in the final year. I would think he's a priority. Now, he is coming off an injury. Does he want two- or three-year deal? I guess they'll figure that out in the offseason, but they also could have put the tag on him. But they're going to have to make a decision. Uh, I don't know if you can re-sign both. Um, in the perfect scenario with the cap going up, which is not going to happen, I think you would be able to do that. And then also there's the draft, and you know the young players there. So it's going to be a tough decision, and I think it's really going to come down to Marcus Golden or Hassan Reddick. Yeah, I do not envy the Cardinals' front office when it comes to this offseason because of what you just mentioned, a lower salary cap and everyone wanting to get as much as they possibly can. And I don't fault anyone, yet at the same time, you have to be smarts and a low and know that you know not everyone can be paid what they think they're worth and there might be a big difference between the elite players and then of course the rookies it's those guys in the middle that might get lost in the shuffle in 2021 yeah i believe some veterans are going to get squeezed you know, now the question becomes if you're a son reddick and you said is this a one one year wonder a one hit wonder well 
maybe it's best to sign a one-year deal. But he's in a position where he's made money being a first-round pick, 13th overall. You know, Marcus Golden obviously was trying to go out and get a deal the last two years. He didn't get it. So um, this, the, these guys' careers, they're not for 10 or 12, 14 years. I mean, the average player in the NFL is three and a half, and they both have checked that box. But based on the on, on the financing side of the of the business, and you can load it up with incentives. Maybe you sign a one year deal. Now you're getting older, and you got to stay healthy. And then you try to cash in when the cap goes up, because it's all about the business side of the NFL when it comes to the salary cap. Bird Gang, a reminder, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com/app for more as we continue here on this tuesday cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals typically on tuesdays we go through the entire nfc west how the teams do the past week and then of course update the playoff standings i think everyone knows where things stand with respect to the playoffs but real quick the nfc looks like this packers saints seahawks washington buccaneers rams bears Cardinals on the outside looking in. Win this weekend, they're in. Rams can back their way in even with a loss, provided the Bears lose at home to the Packers. Now, Green Bay with a lot to play for. They want that number one seed. In fact, the Packers, Saints, and Seahawks all can get that number one seed. For the Packers, it's very simple. Win, and they're the number one seed. Or they can get it with a Seahawks loss at San Francisco. Saints, for them to get that top seed, Win at Carolina, have the Packers lose, have the Seahawks win. For Seattle to get that number one seed, beat the 49ers at State Farm Stadium, have the Packers lose, have the Saints lose, or tie at Carolina. So that is why we kind of know who's going to make the playoffs, we just don't know where everyone is going to be situated as far as seedings are concerned. Yeah, and that game against the 49ers will be at State Farm Stadium. Correct. Starting at the same time as the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Now the Seahawks this year are 7-1 at home, 4-3 and three on the road. They're 8-3 and three in the uh, NFC, just like just like a lot of teams in the NFC West are 3-2 and two in the division. Nobody's really running away with it like the Niners last year. Now, one thing I want to say about the Seahawks, even though they didn't win against the, the Giants, that was a huge upset. The Giants go to uh, Seattle and they beat them 17-12. But, Craig, over the last four games, and you can even go further, but let's look at the last four games, good sample size. They, they give up nine points to the Rams, 15 to the Washington football team, three to the Jets, and then a loss 17 at home to the Giants. And then they only gave up 17 to the Eagles, 21 to the Cardinals, 23 to the – they lost the game to the Rams. So over the last four or five weeks, there's a reason why the Seahawks held the Rams to nine points on Sunday afternoon. It's the defense and what they have done. They have done a 180 with that defense. If you want to credit Carlos Dunlap and his addition, great. Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal Adams is really playing well and playing well up at the line of scrimmage as far as getting into the backfield. But we talked several weeks in a row about how bad the Seahawks defense was and they were trending to be the worst passing defense in the league and in league history, yet they've turned it around 15 points a game. They rank third in yards per game, sixth in passing yards per game just over the last four to five weeks. And that is why right now they're at 11 and four, third seed in the NFC with an opportunity to get that number one seed and home field advantage. And honestly, I didn't think any team in the NFC West would finish with 12 wins this year. I really didn't. 
I knew I thought San Francisco would come back to earth. Uh, I've been preaching for, since the offseason. It's time to jump the Rams, and they got an opportunity to do that on Sunday. Yep. Because you got to you don't want to finish in fourth place every year. So yeah, San Francisco's going to be in fourth. You got to move up the ladder. And you got to give the Seahawks a lot of credit. Ever since they drafted Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, they've been uh, kind of the team. Now, as for the conference and the division, excuse me, the Cardinals have made the Super Bowl, the Rams have made the Super Bowl, the Seahawks have made the Super Bowl, and last year the San Francisco 49ers made the Super Bowl. So the division's been well represented. Now, whether they win or lose when they get there is another story. Now, you bring up the 49ers. They're going to close out the season against the Seahawks, a game that is meaningless. They have been eliminated from the postseason, although, as we saw, Against Don't the tell them that. Yeah, they put a whooping on the Cardinals, but an opportunity for the 49ers to get to 7-9 and nine and 4-2 and two in the division, which would be the best mark of any team. They can finish with the best record in the division, yet be the only team in the division not to make the postseason. That is what 2020 is all about with the 49ers. But we do we do know this, that Trent Williams suffered a sprained elbow. He is not going to play this week. Wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, high ankle sprain. He will not play this week. And Richard Sherman, who was on the sidelines for the Cardinals game, will not play again this week. So they continue to drop like flies, so to speak, yet who comes in to replace them. The coaching staff has coached them up real well. They understand the opportunity that has given them with those extra snaps or perhaps a start and taking advantage of it. So I do not believe for one second that the 49ers are just going to lay low and let the Seahawks win on Sunday because the 49ers, hey, you're in the role of spoiler, so to speak. You spoiled the Cardinals last week. Why not the Seahawks this week? Yeah, and that's the last thing you want to do is the Seahawks lose a game before you get into the postseason based on how they've been playing. Now, their record at home is 1-6. and six, Okay, we know they've been on the road away from the stadium. They're 5-3, and three, and of course they did beat the Cardinals. You look at their record in the NFC, 4-7. Four, four and seven, As you pointed out, one of the better records in the division, 3-2. and two. Um, You know, it's, it's a situation where, and now you're starting to see reports that Jimmy Garoppolo could be the guy. They showed a win-loss record between all the backup quarterbacks, and when Garoppolo's in there, they win a lot more games. Now it's a matter of, do they think he can take him to the promised land like they did a year ago? Yeah, 22-8. and eight, The 49ers are in regular season games in which Garoppolo starts. Just 7-26 and 26 in games he does not since joining the 49ers in 2017. And remember, Nick Mullins is a restricted free agent. C.J. Beathard, unrestricted. You've got Josh Rosen right now on the roster, but that is a huge question, not only for the 49ers, but I think for everyone else within the division. What does San Francisco do at the quarterback position? Do they stick with Jimmy Garoppolo, or do they move on? And if they move on, who are they moving to? Yeah, because they honestly admitted it. They flirted with Tom Brady last year. Now, again, uh, he obviously landed in a good spot. But you start looking at it, um, you know, you look at the quarterbacks in the division. Still give Russell Wilson a nod. You know, Garoppolo's won more games than Murray. They both been to the Super Bowl, Goff, Wilson, and Garoppolo. But I think Kyler Murray is starting to climb the ladder um, from being in the cellar as a rookie to his second year when it comes to quarterbacks in the division. And that's something to look forward to in the future. Well, just two years in, and I would put Murray behind Russell Wilson if I'm going to rank these quarterbacks or say, hey, who do I want to go to battle with? Who would I want to build my team around next season with? Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, 
Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and maybe Goff and Garoppolo you could flip back and forth depending on who you think can help you uh, better in terms of what the offense you want to run. But I would agree. Murray, it hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been maybe the trajectory that we had hoped here in year two, but I don't think you can discount the progress that he has made. No, it's not a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson MVP type second season as a starter, but it's certainly a step in that direction. Yeah, and probably the reason why the Rams and, and Niners have to make this decision because they really uh, paid those quarterbacks a lot of money, and then you got dead money against the cap. So it's not just with their production and their win-loss record. It's what the, how much they're going to count against the cap. So that's a way they can get out of it but what they did including you know Russell Wilson getting these guys on their rookie deals they're able to make a run to the Super Bowl and that's what the Cardinals goal is in the next couple of years before Kyler Murray's making 35 or 40 million a year and that's why this season is so important to get to the postseason if nothing else get a taste of what it takes to get to that next level and then build off of that because you're absolutely right once that second contract kicks in then it becomes harder to build around your franchise quarterback and you know Kyler Murray brought it up uh, earlier this season when he was asked about you know taking your time and and building towards the future and and, you know he's very competitive wants to win now and it's more than just that in the National Football League you have to take advantage of these years that you have when your quarterback is not taking up 25-30% of the salary cap. That's why to a certain extent, I would agree with people who think that 2020 would be considered a failure if you don't make the postseason because you are losing time. And now you're two years into a four-year rookie contract or five years when that fifth-year option is picked up. You have to be able to take steps forward and you don't want it to be wasted steps. You just want to go from out of the playoffs to into the playoffs. Well, I mean, the fact that Kyler Murray can be in the postseason in his second year, I mean, and again, they're still learning. This is far from a finished product. I mean, um, they have the skill. Now it's a matter of execution. But if he gets into the postseason in his second year, I mean, I I know at the beginning of the year, I thought a seven or nine win team, everyone said the Cardinals were going to be a sleeper team, a surprise team. I don't know if anyone ever picked them to go to the postseason, though. So this is part of the process. And then Cliff says they're, they're still not there yet. Um, but listen, you got one game left. And if you win that, you play in the postseason. And the next year is going to be a big deal because now you're talking about that third year. You know, Josh Allen's been in that same system for three years. Patrick Mahomes, even though he didn't start the first year, he's been in there for three plus years. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, that that's when you take that next jump. So if you're a 7-9 to nine win team, or in this case a 9 win team, next year you go 10 or 11, and that's progress. And I think they've definitely made progress this year, even though the record may not reflect it. Look at the numbers. And again, at the end of the day, it's really about wins and losses. It has been a little rough around the edges here in 2020, but bottom line, the Cardinals are in a position to make 2020 very successful Despite the roller coaster ride, this team has taken everyone on from week one to now week 16. And we'll leave you with this. Justin Pugh earlier today, quote, there's more on the line here than just us feeling bad. People won't have jobs if we don't make the playoffs. We know what's at stake, end quote. Win or go home. Win and you're in. We're going to hear a lot of this throughout the entire week, but it's very simple. The Cardinals are in position to do something they have not done since 2015. 
Yeah, and it's been five years, and it's been some lean years. I mean, we were kind of spoiled with Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians, and the, and the Cardinals had a veteran team, and they were ready to compete. The first year, they finished 10-6, and six, didn't make the playoffs. And then, uh, obviously, the next couple of years, and they were 13-3. and three. And it hasn't been the same since. And, you know, but now you, you kind of have to hit the reset button by hiring Kingsbury and bringing in Murray and moving on from Josh Rosen. So it's a process. And, you know, let me tell you this. This is a stat that people don't talk about. Do you know how many playoff wins Lamar Jackson has? One. One playoff win. Kyler Murray gets this game, he's going to get a, a chance for the playoffs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, when you make a run to the Super Bowl, that's three or four wins. Lamar Jackson has one playoff win. You know how many Josh Allen has? None. But he's going to, he's going to get an opportunity being a two-seed. Baker Mayfield? None. He's going to get an opportunity, and that's what you want, opportunities. And we hope Kyler Murray will have that opportunity as well post-week 17. Much more on the Cardinals and Rams tomorrow when we really dive into what we think is the major storyline this week, and that would be the Cardinals' offense against the Rams' defense. But more on that tomorrow here on Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, we will put a lid on this Tuesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amandro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.